Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guest is Pierce McLaughlin, the singer, songwriter, guitarist, etc, etc, in the Dublin-based band called Nocturnes, who have just released their fourth album called The Soft Animal. Well, it's been out for a while now, but... uh, yeah, it's their fourth album. It's really, really great. It's uh, nine songs long. It's just a really, really nice listen. Yeah, released in July. Yeah, just released. <laughs> um, yeah, the the interview was interesting in that it was recorded in two parts and the parts were done about six weeks, uh, a gap of six weeks in between. So we went up to Hardworking Class Heroes at... Uh, the start of October and even at that stage myself and Pierce had just been trying to arrange this interview um, for a couple of weeks and it just wasn't working out and so we finally got together finally met at Hardworking Class Heroes sat down only managed about 10 minute interview Um, as you'll hear Pierce had to uh, play a short acoustic set at the film base which was kind of the main ticket place in uh, Hardworking Class Heroes and then he was playing later that night at Tengu so, yeah, we did about 10 minutes there, and then I went on holiday, then I got really, really sick and couldn't talk for a week, and then work and stuff, and then suddenly it was six weeks, and I was like, geez, I better, I better think about doing something with this. So, yeah, we finally managed to finish the interview easily, the, probably, like, the strangest kind of uh, interview that I've done six weeks apart. So, hopefully it holds together um pierce has been playing music for ages he kind of talks about his backstory how he kind of moved around the place was living in montreal and london for a while moved back to dublin um kind of in the mid to late noughties uh he released his his first album busy whisper back in 2008 and since then he released another album in movement which is pierce mclaughlin and nocturnes and then he released an album with Justin Grounds called Idiot Songs, which sounds like it kind of, uh, I don't know, gave him a new way of thinking, a new kind of lease on creativity. And now he's kind of uh, gone with Blue Stack Records. Blue Stack Records have released uh, The Soft Animal. They're going to Sligo based Pierce's from Sligo. So it sounds like it's a, it's a perfect match. So you're going to hear uh, the interview in two parts coming up and... Yeah, I, I suppose if you want to hear more from Pierce, piercemclaughlin.bandcamp.com is where all the stuff is, all of his albums, apart from Idiot Songs actually, which uh, I think you can get on idiotsongs.bandcamp.com. So yeah, uh, that's coming up. Uh, thanks a lot for listening and supporting the podcast. If you want to share it or whatever, that would be that would be V good. Um, yeah. Tweet me at TPOE blog. You can email me at um you can email me the point of everything at gmail.com. And if you want to tell a friend or anything like that about the podcast, you know, just this guy who just goes around interviewing musicians and artists and, you know, does really long interviews with them and talking about stuff, you know, why not? Why not just tell somebody else about that? That'd be cool. And you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, etc., etc. So this is Pierce McLaughlin first in fil- upstairs in Film Base in the the cafe up there um, in Film Base in Dublin, and then about ten minutes later, magically, it's going to be Pierce on Skype.
chatting to me for another half an hour or so. So hope you enjoy. Thanks a lot for listening. So you're just about to uh, play a 20-minute acoustic set just uh, in the middle of the afternoon on Saturday of Hardworking Class Heroes. Is just before gigs, like, do you get nervous or, like, how do you get, like, in on the day of a gig and, like, in the approaching hours of the gig? Yeah, actually, I do quite often get a little bit nervous before the shows, but I always see that as a good sign because, you know, when you're nervous, then you're kind of a little bit sharp. You're a little bit sharper. So um, being a little bit nervous, I don't think is such a bad thing. But uh, before a show, um, I do try and have a little bit of time to myself just beforehand to kind of gather my thoughts and get myself in the zone. But um, yeah, just a little bit of nerves and nerves are always a positive. Have you not been nervous before a show and you've noticed that, oh, the gig is actually going wrong or anything like that? Or does it take, like, does a gig take time to settle? That's a good question. Um, I actually can't think of a specific time, but I have the impression that if you don't, if you're not nervous before the show, yeah, you can be a little bit more sloppy and just a little less sharp. And that's why I think it's really important to be kind of mindful that you're you're concentrating on the on the show as it's unfolding in front of you you know so yeah that can happen sometimes if you're if you're not in the zone beforehand so it is really important to um try and have a bit of a, a routine around that and a bit of a bit of a ritual before you get into performing so i mean generally you have your sound check and then luckily if you're lucky you have maybe you know a few hours to kind of just um get in the zone before playing and then what I would often do would be maybe some breathing exercises or some you know meditation or something like that if you have the time that's brilliant that's the ideal but oftentimes you're trying to run and trying to get everything done in a short time so you know that can uh, wreck your headspace a little bit <laughs> and I'll, I'll just stick with the stick with the theme of nerves for a while like um, does it change like you've played with um, different guises down through the years like idiot songs with the band and by yourself as well like is there a different kind of shared experience than with the other guys like before you get, like you're all nervous or like is it just you as the fun person who's like going to be the most nervous you get a little less nervous or you get a little bit more familiar with that uh, kind of nervousness as as year go, years go by and it is, yeah, it's a shared experience. And we have Enda here, so I might kind of pass the... Is that okay if I pass the mic over to him as well? Yeah. So Enda and myself would ready ourselves together, I guess, and kind of go through some of the same nerves. But we're not really nervy, but there's a little bit of nerves there, and it is a kind of a shared thing. Do you want to add something to that there, Enda? The shared thing would be if we, if we, find, if we realize we don't really have any free time in between sound checking and getting to the gig and rushing and all that um, I find that those gigs tend to be you get up on stage and you're you're not quite ready yet so like you're yeah as you say you get you, f- you just feel a little bit kind of sloppy and I'm not getting into it and you might get that towards the end of the gig but that that can usually affect it so it, it does help to have a little bit of grace time just to sit down and just chill and um, that helps but I think I don't know. I, th- I think um, there's been a couple of us like that's been any of the band gigs, and I know um, myself. And I'm just thinking of the the Christoph uh, plays violin sometimes with us. The two of us tend to be quite sort of 
zen, quite sort of chilled out. So I know that we've we've definitely helped just you know give that bit of air of as we go on. You know, it's it's nice to be able to have that, and you know, so um, that can yeah help sometimes. But um, yeah, usually it's yeah it's kind of a, it usually would be a shared thing. I think we're all sometimes in the same boat, and we'll go on, and we know we're all feeling a bit kind of Ooh, you know, which is nice. Um, and so, Pierce, just how, how have the uh, dates gone so far? You released The Soft Animal, mm, we're talking at the start of September. When did you release The Soft Animal? I can't think. And, and how have the shows gone to date? Uh, we released it officially July 29th in the Bellow Bar. And that was a lovely show, actually. Cause that was the launch show, the Dublin launch show. But we did, some, we did a show in uh, Sligo as well for... Corja Arts Festival and we did a good run of dates around that um, just around the country and we played the Liberties Festival and um, I think you know as those shows went on we definitely settled more into the songs and I think it's sounding really good now I'm really enjoying playing live like I, I love playing live um, what, what is the live setup at the moment and have you found it difficult to replicate the, the sound of the songs on Soft Animal uh, live? Well, we have Billy Donahue on keys, so there's a lot of kind of nice textures and ambient atmospherics in the record, so Billy has kind of added to that, and Billy's able to reproduce those. Uh, and actually, the way we recorded the record was quite live, so we recorded myself and Enda playing together live as much as possible, so um, that means that we can actually reproduce that feeling pretty well. Um, yes, yeah, so the live setup... This evening, it's myself, Ender Roach, Billy Donahue, and then Christian Volkman's going to join us on harmonica for one track as well, which is on the Mississippi, and that's on the record as well. So, yeah, I think we do a pretty good job of at least conveying the, the same emotion that we achieved on the album, and that's really important. Oh, yeah. I, w- I was kind of almost surprised. Like, I, I first kind of came across you with idiot songs with justin grounds and everything and then uh around the press of the soft animal i was like oh it's nocturne's fourth album i was like how did that happen did i did i miss how did i miss a couple of them did you did you i i don't know what the question is i was gonna ask like do you find that you missed the first couple of nocturne's albums or something um but like have you found that the idiot songs has given you um a wider um, audience to play with I don't really know if it's given us a... Yeah, I suppose I was really proud of the work we did with Idiot Songs. So what it did give me was um, the confidence to create a real kind of artistic record that um, was a bit daring and a little bit experimental and not, you know, immediately accessible, although Idiot Songs is probably more accessible than what it sounds like, like... Here's an electronic chamber songs record of Fedor Dostoevsky's Idiot, you know, just reimagining that, you know, it's not... <laughs> so, but it actually was fairly accessible in its own right. But um, uh, I guess it gave me the confidence just... Uh, I mean, as you go through each record, so my first record was Pierce McLaughlin and Busy Whisper. The second one was In Movement, Pierce McLaughlin and Nocturnes. And you kind of, you learn a little bit more with each record, so just uh, kind of to answer your question about Nocturnes as well, that was the second record. Um, so Ender was involved in that very much. So that was Pierce McLaughlin and Nocturnes. So that's where your Nocturnes is coming from. So it's the fourth album I've been involved with, as opposed to the fourth Nocturnes album, you know. Uh, I guess it's the s- kind of second Nocturnes album. <laughs> yeah, because the third one was 
Idiot Songs, and that's a collaboration with um, Justin. So, yeah. Um, but definitely each record you get a little bit more confident and your, um, I guess, your uh, concentration for what, uh, for where a record can go sharpens, you know. And your, your intuition's a little bit better and you have a better kind of track record, quite literally. <laughs> um, so is, is there anything to the idea of, you know, putting your name to an album or not putting your name to an album? Like, w- would it have been different if it was, say, your first album was called Nocturnes and then, like, this album is called um, Pierce McLaughlin, you know? Is there something to that? Is, is there just a, a confidence or was there just you wanted it to be a proper band experience this time? Um, it's more, I like the sense of a different record having a different name and I kind of it's something like say someone like Bonnie Prince Billy does he has Will Oldham and Palace Music and all different titles for the projects and I think that allows listeners to kind of engage with it a little bit differently each time and it also gives the sense that you know this isn't one fixed thing and maybe that's a little bit annoying in some ways but I think I think it's quite good because you know I've I guess a small enough range of followers is full small enough fan base if you will so they'll probably know because <laughs> I'll be telling them oh, this is what uh, we're working on now you know this is the the project title at the moment do you want to talk for a little bit about Leonard Cohen yeah I mean when did I start listening to Leonard Cohen I he's just always been such a graceful character and um, kind of a kind of a spiritual artist but also kind of a flawed human who had a kind of a redemptive path or a path to redemption. Um, and obviously he had his whole Zen Buddhism towards the end of his life um, or his latter years. And that's an interesting part of him, but that was never sanctimonious or self-righteous. And his, always, his graciousness always came true. And I think that resonated with so many people. And and I saw him twice in concert. So I was really happy to see him in where I'm from in Sligo. Oh yeah, Lisa Dell when he was playing Lisa Dell and he uh, in Lisa Dell House and that was like a beautiful show. But um, it, then his graciousness really came true really well. And I saw him in what was then called the O2 Arena as well, and that was that was a nice show. But you know it was a little more intimate in Lisa Dell House, and that was definitely a more special show. But a real great, the best songwriter <laughs> in my opinion, um, usually inspirational. And also he was like he achieved that brilliant simplicity you know such it's kind of like simple but compl- so well crafted and um, every word was so well weighted and um you like loved his work loved his work and like his books quite enjoyed his books i have read leonard cohen's the favorite game and then some of his poetry and yeah good good stuff a great loss but what an inspiring life He's one of these people who you don't really see, you know, people point to as an influence that much because maybe it's just because he's influenced so many people who have influenced so many people who have eventually, you know, Mm. it just kind of feeds down. But I think it's also just the idea that, like, you always think that they're going to be there and you kind of take them for granted. And now that we've lost, like, so many musical icons this year, it's kind of like, oh, man, we have to we have to treasure who we have now. That's right. That's right. Um, but his, yeah, and his last record, I mean, was really, really nice. And, you know, I'm ready, my lord. I just kind of, when I heard that first, I was like, I wonder, is he thinking about 
depth in that. I wonder if that what he means. And I said it was definitely a bit of a, a nod and a wink to that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you're right. We have to always treasure what we have right in front of, front of us. I think. Yeah, the the new album it was it's only released like two months. You want it dark, darker. You want it darker, yeah. It's it's a brilliant album, and yeah, as you say, it is kind of like, you know, this is his farewell record, and all of the interviews that he did around it. You know, obviously he was eighty two, and they kind of really touched on death and everything yeah. a lot. And it seemed yeah. like it's kind of the same with Bowie, like that they've kind of, I don't know, that, that they know Definitely. that they're they're going there or something they kind of predicted it you know and um yeah definitely i mean that was very to the fore with with bowie's record and it was there i think in in this record as well um from cohen but you know obviously it's it's kind of bleak and grim because we've lost cohen and we have trump elected and there's a lot of ugliness there but also we also have cohen's inspiring life to look at as well you know, and wonderful work. And that's a kind of a, what's the word, panacea, like to like to all those ills, you know, um, can kind of work against those, you know, those dark forces as well. I mean, he was a real bright light. And, and he is one of these people who you can dip into any song and, you know, he's probably got a line in there for every situation as well. Like It's, <laughs> it's great seeing people yeah. just share his poetry. And a lot, a lot of people were exactly a lot of people were saying that you know you kind of you learn about life and living from Cohen as well. Oh, just usually influential and um, kind of such gravity, but also such humor as well. I think yeah, yeah that really nice balance. Uh, it's it's kind of weird how you know we talked um, just over a month ago at Hardworking Class Heroes and you know it, f- it feels like it was a very positive day weekend and everything I had a great time saw loads of uh, great acts and now you know music, yeah. we're, we're talking about you know oh man Leonard, Leonard Cohen has just died and also just like obviously it's not as important as that but um, you know just kind of it, in terms of Irish music, the likes of Fight Like Apes have broken up and Funeral Suits have broken up and there's another couple of bands, Irish acts who have broken up and suddenly, I don't know, it feels like I'm I'm maybe not as enthusiastic as I might have been that weekend. It's kind of been tempered somewhat by all these announcements and kind of, you know, thinking about the future for Irish acts. I don't know if you kind of thought about this or you saw the the fight like apes poster it made you think about any of this yeah um i know exactly what you mean and there there's always going to be bands moving along and like fight like apes are amazing amazing act and amazing live act as well and <coughs> really inspiring act because they were so fearless you know that's it's really cool to be in in that kind of a I suppose even in the same country as an act like them who are so inspiring. Um, but I, I think it's still really a positive time for... Uh, it's hard to make a living from from pure music and music alone, I suppose. That, and that's just a, that's a truth. But there's a lot of brilliant music being made despite that. Um, and I think art can always kind of work against that. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that art doesn't need funding absolutely does 100 percent but i think like looking at this year divan or the band divan did a, a post there the other day about all the records that come out this this year and they were like such brilliant records you know you've got i will listen to them all and they're all so strong like you've kathy davies 
pattern. You release a Hadigan's album, absolutely beautiful. You know, Katie Kim's album is amazing. Mm. Devan's album's really good. Tomorrow's album is really amazing. You know, um, you know, there's so many good records there, and so it's a really positive time in my view. Um, and I think you just have to be careful of that kind of like competitiveness that can begin to kind of set in. I don't think that's what we necessarily have to look at. We need to kind of look out for each other and push each other's music and, um, you know, just uh, support each other and support the scene that's there. I think that was, that came across really well, I think, at Hardwood Class Heroes, what you're talking about there. You know, there was a really good vibe with that and the kind of friendliness between the acts and um, an act kind of pushing each other's music. I, I really love when I see that. Yeah, um, how did you get on that weekend? I saw, I saw you, it was uh, downstairs at Tengu. It was a really nice show. Yeah, thanks. Um, it was a funny show because obviously there's a band upstairs as well um, and there's a lot of like a lot of kind of noise bleed coming down, but I just still really enjoyed it. <laughs> I thought it was a great show. It was a good crowd in. And um, like obviously we had that and we had, um, you know, it's quite a lot of noise coming from upstairs, but and our stuff, especially at the beginning of our set, was quite mellow, but... As it went, the set went along, I think more and more people kind of got in into the atmosphere or our mood and uh, really, really enjoyed the show. And we had Stephen Jim Smith join us for a poem at the end of one of the songs, which is kind of a, a bit of a highlight. He's a friend of mine and he just kind of came up like very much impromptu at the end um, to do some spoken word over some of the some of our music. So that was cool. It was quite a political so, um, poem as well that he was doing. Sorry? It was quite a political poem as well that he did. Mm, yeah, it was called Dublin You Are. So it was kind of, um, I suppose, his thoughts on, on Dublin and what it means to him and um, just like all the contradictions in, in Dublin. And it was really lovely. It was fun. You... So it was, I thought it was a really good weekend. Um, I was at the summer talks earlier on. I was at the Meet the Fans one, which is really, really great to kind of get uh, an ear of to their ideas and opinions and how they view the bands. And that was really good. And just, again, like meeting the other bands and um, meeting some, some of the younger bands than ourselves and um, like bands like Submotion and who were were, who were all knocking around and it's nice atmosphere. So it's good weekend of music, definitely. So I guess we, we better talk about The Soft Animal. It's the uh, New Nocturnes uh, album that you brought out uh, earlier this year on Blue Stack Records. Uh, you rec- did you recorded it with uh, Darren Nolan, who I actually got to meet when I was watching you guys um, play in film base over Hardworking Class Heroes. Really nice guy, oh, cool. to, guy yeah. to chat to. Um, you recorded it with him down in Wexford, was it? That's right, yeah. Um, I'd say we did it in about five or six sessions in... Uh, what are we, not summer just gone summer 2015 oh wow really um, yeah uh, recorded it quite quickly um, with him and Gory his studio there Astakalapa myself and Enda recorded Enda's drummer guitarist and back and vocalist and other bits and pieces the way we did it is we kind of recorded it live in the room just kind of trying to get that that drama that happens when you put live humans in a room together trying to create something you know so um, we maybe did the songs maybe one to three times and then took the best take and then after that like I'm mad into textures and um, you know 
and, and atmosphere and that. So afterwards, we kind of learned some really nice things in, on top of that. And uh, kudos to Dara really helped us out with that and really kind of gave the songs that little bit of extra depth, I think. And, you know, it's a simple album. Um, it creates this kind of moody vibe over, you know, just 40 minutes. And um, I, I was really happy with what we achieved there. It was... There's definite spirit in it. There's definite emotion in it, and um, I was I was happy with how we achieved that. Like I think it was a lot. You always hear musicians saying, "Oh, you know, do it live is the best," and it really is actually because then you can kind of capture that that live performance feel. And I think it has a little bit more spirit then rather than cutting up the tracks, like doing the guitar, then doing the vocals, and then doing the drums. It's really nice when you just you know put people together and just go right. You do what you do and I press record and then then we get then we added some nice things afterwards just to give it that extra little bit of sheen, a little bit of kind of studio polish. But um, and I did a few things just uh, here at home. Um, I recorded a few little things here as well, like backing vocals, and we recorded Adrian Crowley's vocal here in my house, and uh, recorded the harmonica for one of the songs here, and um, I think I maybe a few little synth bits here as well. But um, it was mainly done live in the studio. That was definitely the, the core of it. So that was last summer. And then Dara mixed it. Um, probably mixed it around maybe Christmas of last year. And around that kind of time. And then had it all mastered, remastered by a guy called Andy Davenport in, in New Zealand. And then just set off the along the avenue to promoting it <laughs> and bringing it out to people and it's been really great actually it's been really fun doing the live shows and put out the antler in in march it's kind of kind of leading single i suppose and and then we put out whale song and we just recently oh, we're going to put out serpents on sunday night now so um it's been a lot of fun doing this record actually um when when you are doing the layering and stuff over the songs, mm. like once they've been recorded, is there a point where you have to just be like, you know, okay, that that's enough. Like we've added enough stuff. Is it kind of hard to actually say, stop, this song is finished? Um, um, well, you know, we were actually, I think limitations are really great. Um, limitations are really helpful in the creative process. And, you know, we were kind of limited by just the amount of time we had in the studio. We had, like I said, maybe, five to seven sessions and we're kind of like well let's uh let's do the core of the song and then add a few layers and then oh look it's seven o'clock time to go yeah <laughs> and then you know if, if if something was standing out as um you know underdeveloped or need, needed a little bit more feel then um we could do that after after the fact and but that only really happened in one or two songs we really did worked on it quite quickly and worked a bit from intuition, which is a good way to work, I think. Yeah. Um, Rather than like really getting like uh, the cerebral part of it is kind of the lyrics, um, and you kind of spend a bit of time on that. But um, we spent, you know, hopefully a bit of time on that. But um, then the musical bit, especially the productive part, like the when you come to producing. Um, in studio like that's that's kind of um yeah it's intuitive enough like you're just kind of 
reacting and that's when having really great musicians helps and like Ender was really helpful at that and Roach was really able to make some nice things there and then and then like I said Dara kind of working on it afterwards as well but um, yeah limitations um, kind of can stop you from going on and on and um, you know keeping on throwing things at it Yeah. yeah. then you find you have to take it out again <laughs> Um, and so lyrically, like, was this album written <laughs> after you became a dad? Am I right in saying that? Uh, like a good few of the songs, yeah, that's that is true. Um, funny enough, there's a song on it called Dear Infant, which I wrote before I became a dad. Oh, okay, and that was initially that song was all about my relationship to uh, you know, like songwriting and that, and it was like treating that like an infant, you know, and that was kind of I was talking to my creativity in songwriting as like an infant but you know as Jeffrey Lewis says you know songs about writing songs are boring so I kind of just put it to the side <laughs> for a while <laughs> and then um, and it was a really simple song you know three and three and a bit minutes and um, but then when I came back to Dara kind of got in touch and said do you want to do a record and I was like we have been able to see and then I kind of started looking and seeing what I had and <coughs> I was like, oh, this song, God, and that totally works right now in my, where I am in my life. So, you know, it's that kind of prophecy that happens in in songs. Sometimes you, you know, the song kind of knows what's happening before you do. <laughs> I know it sounds so airy, but it's uh, it's really nice. Really, I suppose what happens is you're alert to that after the fact. You can find the meanings in the, in the songs after it a little bit. But we kind of reimagined that song a bit and um, just end again, lay down the drums to it as I played it at the same time. And we just got this kind of little drone organ going all the way through it. And then this little tremolo guitar just going all the way through. It's really simple vibe, kind of pulsating kind of through the song. So it kind of pushed it along nicely. And then at the end, that last little bit, and what would I know without you? Um, that last little bit at the end of the song, we just added very shortly before we went into the studio. So I didn't actually write that before um, my before Isla was born, my, my daughter was born. But, um, you know, the, yeah, there were a few other songs that were written around that time. Definitely, yeah, that's really all right. Um, it it sounds like Enda is very much kind of uh, like you're you're both in tune with each other. Is it kind of good to have someone who you can bounce pretty much like everything musical off? Yeah, it's so good. Like I did my first album in two thousand and nine, Busy Whisper, and then I did uh, In Movement twenty twelve. So since like just basically after I released Busy Whisper, um, Enda has been involved since then, and we've been really good friends and musical. Uh, friends as well since then collaborators I guess and um, we get on really well so it's kind of easy to work together and I always love working with other people anyways and um, and I always work with people who I really just trust musically and um, so we've a few more people in the fold now we've Billy Donahue's on keys and I've Christoph Capewell as well does violins with us and he played on some of the other records as well and um, and then there's Sweeney Lee who's been singing with Nocturnes as well and she's an amazing singer so it can be a really great live outfit when we're all there you know so um, but myself and Enda yeah we have a good little um, musical relationship um, 
really enjoying with each other. So, um, hopefully that kind of comes across in the record. Yeah, I definitely think uh, it does. And also, um, your relationship with Bluestack Records as well. It's out on Bluestack, isn't it? That's right, yeah. So, Bluestack's run by um, Mark Willis, who I did a show with. They run a... Oh, I'm from Sligo, and they run a music night in Sligo called Turn It On. And um, I met Mark there when I, he asked us to play one of those shows. And then... I did the record there last summer, summer before last, and then just kind of, I've been in contact with Mark, and Mark had been putting on a few shows for us, and I kind of said, you know, here's the record if you want to do some work with it, and um, yeah, well, I suppose the fact that he's Sligo-based, and I'm from Sligo, and um, that really kind of was was a kind of a nice um, kind of touchstone, I suppose. And like he's been really great with the record and really supportive and um, it's a really great label, like really about the music and really easy to deal with. So that's been great. Um, like it must just be be so good just having someone like that behind the album, like who's totally uh, in tune with it, I guess, again, just saying that, um, you know, and just who, who knows what to do and has their contacts and everything. It must t- kind of take a bit of a weight off your shoulders. Uh, yeah, and I suppose the role that Mark has played a lot is American Bluestack has been to, um, you know, we can, he's sound ideas off me, is like, what would you think about doing this? And same for me as well, because having put out some <laughs> records in the past, I'll, you know, I have, I have some experience in, in doing that. So, you know, I'll have ideas for what we should do. And he's like really good for just, um, chatting those ideas through and talking them through and um it's very helpful and so like putting out the records yourself like was it completely independent that you would have put them out <laughs> uh yeah yeah all the all the other records um idiot songs i put out with justin um so we put all the work into that ourselves as well so they have been really like truly diy releases and i like the way that as I go down through the albums over over the years, you know it's it's a nice little journey, and you kind of you can come back to the people who may have been interested in the last record or whatever. So you kind of feel there are more people kind of jumping on board um, and responsive to you, and um, that's that's one of the really big benefits of uh, like sticking at music, you know, and then. You know committing to it i suppose and it's also like music is all about i think i said it in the last interview but it's all about like connecting with people and bringing people together and you know that goes that goes for the relationship between you know the person who's playing and the person who's listening like so the band and and the followers but it's also between the band and you know the people who you met meet as you're going along such as you know, DJs or journalists or, you know, pluggers or promoters or different people like that. So who are just really into music. So um, it's something that we, we all share. So it's kind of, that's what is the music that brings you together in the first instance. So um, uh, as you go on, you know, you have that little connection and that little bit of history. So, 
kind of, I suppose, in some senses, it gets a little easier, you know. Um. So, I guess going going back to the the start of everything, you're you're from Sligo and now you live in Dublin, is it? That's right. Yeah. That's what, right. What um, was uh, Sligo like growing up? What was it like growing up? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, it was really good for music, actually. It's like for a small town, there were lots of bands, and that was great because, you know, we we were in a kind of a culture where you know everyone was doing gigs and everyone was in bands, and um, that was that was really healthy. Um, growing up musically, and um, it's a, it's a lovely town. It's a it's a lovely landscape around it as well. So um, it's a great place to grow up. <laughs> and um, it just kind of planted the seed and you were like, yeah, I want to be a musician. I'm going to make this work. Um, yeah, I suppose like just in my own immediate family, you know, um, like my, my father's side of the family are quite artistic and painters and, and that. And my brother Kevin does videos and my brother Porik is painters. So, um you know, that was, like, we were always encouraged to do kind of those things, like, create and that. Um, so, but I suppose it was in the water in Sligo as well, so, you know, you can, like, see another band and you're like, oh, they're brilliant. I want to play guitar as well and learn how to write songs and stuff. So, and then, like, the big thing is, like, when we're growing up is, like, you know, being individual and, you know, writing originals. So we started writing originals, like, original songs, when we're really young, you know, <laughs> so that's good. You know, it's it's fun. And that was fun. And so, how did you uh, come to settle in Dublin? Was it college or something? Uh, a bit of a long way around, but um, so I studied in Galway, and then I lived in Montreal for a while, and then I lived in London for a while, and then I just moved back to Dublin. And so I'm working here now, and it's a it's a very healthy place to uh, to do music as well. It's a great music scene here, lots of bands. So, um, but I'm working here, and my 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 family are here, and um, it's a good place for me at the moment. Uh, um, did you play music when you were in Montreal and London as well? I did in London, yeah, and really when I was in Montreal, it was just. I was only really taking baby steps into um, like recording my own songs and that. So, um, yeah, that was like that was when I was recording my first like kind of little solo EPs and um, you know they're they're tatty enough, but <laughs> they're they have to be done, you know. <laughs> is is it kind of um, like you just you just have to do it and kind of get it over with and kind of know that like. Okay, that that's the start. That probably won't be anything, but we have to just keep going with this. Yeah, I mean, some people are lucky, and you know, their first EP is really good. <laughs> like that happens, um, but yeah, it wasn't the case for me. <laughs> um, and then when I like, then I was in London for a while. That was actually, you know, it was an interesting scene to work in because, like, the bands are so focused, and or I found that they were anyway, and. That gives you a bit of a um, incentive to kind of, you know, to, to be a little bit more focused about what you're doing. And um, so then when, then when I came back to Dublin, like I started a new band here and, and I was probably a little bit more focused than prior work. And 
by the time I got around to releasing my first album, I was really proud of my first album. I think that was for where I was at, you know, if it did okay, Busy Whisper was, was I'm really proud of it for where I was at. You know, you can only produce what what you can at the stage that you're at. And, um, you know, as long as you're living up to your own kind of goals for yourself, you know, that's that's the most important thing. So, um, yeah, Dublin was a good place for that first record to come out. When you talk about the kind of the competitive nature of London, is it kind of, um, you know, like uh, they're so driven that they kind of follow the, the the what's hot right now, I guess, and kind of they're not looking, they're not following their own path, creating what they actually want to create themselves? Um, I did, That didn't really strike me, to be fair. And, um, and it wasn't even, even that it was competitive. It was just that, it was a harder scene to get to know other bands, like much harder because, you know, bands might be traveling a, far, a long way to play a gig in a certain part of London and then, you know, would have to go. So it was kind of, I found anyways, um, hard to maybe kind of connect with other bands, which is when I came back to Dublin because it's a much smaller scene, you know, it was much easier. But that said, I think the quality was just as much there, you know, like the bands were like we're really strong, you know, and um, it was nice to have a bit of that London motivation, but also then come back and, you know, working with other driven bands in, in Dublin and actually get to know them a bit. And and plus, I suppose, um, you know, when the recession hit in, in Dublin, there were a lot of arts nights, which were helpful to me personally. And in, in, in sort of like for making other friends in the arts community and the music community. And like there were, you know, there were nights like the, uh, different open mic nights or kind of well-run arts nights like the Glory Sessions was in the International and there was the Brown Bread Mixtape and, and, you know, it was like Ruby Sessions and like quality art night hawks and like quality arts nights were, which were well attended and um, you're meeting other acts who were, um, really focused about what they were doing and it, what they were doing really mattered to them and um, it, that was really good for me to um, kind of get focused again and um, you know work in a, a culture that was um, kind of you know really creative I suppose yeah um, well what was I going to say uh Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Do you, do you still go in for open mic nights? Um, not really. No, I wouldn't really do open mic nights now. Um, no. But you'd recommend I them just... to people starting out and stuff? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think the nice thing about arts nights is that you have maybe not just musicians, which can kind of be painful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you've only only musicians it's nice to have like a range of different arts you know and different um expressive voices um but definitely yeah recommend them definitely uh you mentioned your your brother earlier he made the video for whale song it's a really uh really cool video like did you know that you wanted to collaborate with him did you know that you wanted him to make something for this album yeah and kevin has done quite a few videos um, for for me and he did a really lovely video for Idiot Songs with Justin 
Justin Grounds and for a song called Villages of Ether. So um, I had an idea that I knew he'd be able to realise. And um, yeah, I knew that that he would do a great one for Wales Song and that's because that's such a kind of ethereal vibe on that one, kind of um, uh, atmospheric that I knew he'd be able to do something really nice for it um, because he's really good at like, manipulating visuals and you know creating a kind of a spacey feel. And I so I, I kind of had a, an idea and we trashed it out a little bit and um, he produced what he did, which was really lovely kind of blend of this like the sky and the cosmos and the universe, but also like this underwater feel as well. It's so, like that was kind of meshed together to create this kind of this particular place, a place that only really exists in that in a video. Yeah, and and then working with uh, Miles O'Reilly for the video that you've just released uh, this week for Serpent. It's a really cool video, yeah. and it must have been. I don't know if you worked with Miles before, but it's kind of like a really nice name to have, kind of side by side with your own. I think. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I had worked with Miles before. Um, I'd met him a few times, and I played at the. He has a body and soul um, stage at body and soul, or kind of a. Um, venue and I, I'd met him a good few times and chatted away but then when I was looking for a few videos for for this record and Serpents was one that was standing out for him so he was up for doing some work on that and I just had this simple idea of you know this tradition in in Sligo or in all used to be anyway was that um, when climbing Knockray Mountain which is the current at the top of um, a mountain in Sligo where Queen Maeve is supposedly buried. Um, you take uh, a rock or a stone up the, up the mountain and just place it at the, at the top of the cairn. And obviously over the years, as people did that, the cairn grew, you know, <laughs> grows. So um, it was just kind of that idea. Um, and the song is, I mean, I suppose one of the things that was on my mind writing it was kind of exploring how, you know, um, like kind of a dark state of mind is a little bit like you know that stone or burden that you might carry around in your and how you can kind of have that yourself but you can kind of also give it to someone else and um that was kind of there in, in the in the video as well the idea of like carrying this little um burden with you and you know maybe trying to place it outside of yourself but it was really nice because it tied in with Sligo tradition as well. <laughs> yeah, and, and it really makes me want to uh, go to Sligo as well. It looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was like miles of this idea. It was like we kind of throwing ideas around. And it was like epic landscape. And I was like, well, Sligo. <laughs> you know, lots. So my dad, we actually, me, Miles, and my, and my father went out to a place called Eden Bond, which is about maybe a minute and a half, two minutes in. There's these really wide open landscapes. And that's Eden Bond. It's really spectacular actually um does feel really lord lord of the rings ish there you know and and wild you know and very uh quiet you know there isn't very savage kind of landscape yeah i must try, must try and get up there uh sometime um definitely so you're playing a gig with Hilary uh, Woods on Sunday, which, alas, will be in the past by the time that people are hearing oh. um, the podcast. But do you have any more plans for the rest of the year now? 
Um, we have one more song coming out called Hikagani, and that's the one that features Adrian Crowley on the vocal. Oh. And um, we have a little video for that as well, which will probably come in December, maybe January. And then maybe looking at gigs then in the new year and stuff. It's definitely yeah. Uh, Back out again. Um, hopefully, do some shows ab- abroad, actually overseas. So um, I'll let you know about that. But definitely be hoping to get a few shows overseas and probably more around Ireland. We might do another single as well. We might do a single for Dear Infant as well. So. Um, uh, just just as you mentioned it, um, how uh, why did you want to get Adrian Crowley in? Um, yeah, so actually this is a good story because I had written the song Hike Gani and we recorded it and I was like, just it's not sitting with me well. There's just something, it's not really getting a spiritual reaction, or an emotional reaction from me, you know? And I was like, you know, maybe it could have a nice, like deep, kind of oaky voice. I was like, like Adrian, it'd be brilliant to have Adrian singing on it. I, you know, I met Adrian, know Adrian a bit. And I had thought, um, yeah, that would be really cool. And then I got a message from him and he was writing a song. And there's a song I I had from Idiot Songs with Justin Grants. Um, and he was like, have a listen to this. It was just this was the day after I was thinking it would be really nice to maybe get Adrian on that. And he said, have a listen to this song. It's really... It's a little bit like one of the songs you, you have with Idiot Songs. I was like, wow, well, that, that's mad that you've just written me that now because I was thinking of actually asking you to sing on one of the songs. So we have to do that now. It was just really uncanny. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, so we got Adrian in to do the vocal. We did it really quickly and I think it really worked really well. So we have the two vocals. Mine's kind of there in the background, just really faintly and kind of distant and his voice kind of holds the song down and um, we added another little bit of bass on a guy called Gregory Breen um, played, on, played on that, played bass on that and uh, so then I was much happier <laughs> with the song Yeah, well, um, yeah, I think I think that we've got loads there anyway, Pierce it was great to, uh, great to chat to you again and, Thanks uh, Owen for the callback yeah, and I mean, this is easily the uh, longest uh, break between talking to an interviewee that I've had as well, yeah. like six weeks. So, uh, so yeah. Oh, is it six weeks? Wow. I think it's about six weeks, isn't it? It's middle of November now, so Hardworking Class yeah. Heroes was the start of October. Yeah, that's, that's the way it goes, yeah. Um, yeah, well, best luck with uh, with everything for the rest of the year, and congrats Thanks, on, on And best this. luck with the podcast and the blog and... Cheers to you for um, <laughs> shining a light on new independent music. Ah, shucks. Ah, shucks. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Pierce. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.